With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Empire Rolls preview show in conjunction with the Reading Chronicle and Matt Joy, who has joined me to have a talk about the Stoke City match and a little bit look back at not such an amazing few days for Reading Football Club. So Matt, how are you doing? All right, very well, thank you. Yeah, we, we said just sort of pre, pre-pod that it was going to uh, end eventually the run. And yeah, it's, it's been a little less upbeat this over the last what, seven days or so. But um, yeah, it's hopefully we'll be back to winning ways tomorrow. Yeah, I mean, when you look back, because you, know, you look at the Coventry game, I thought we still played okay in that game. And also in the game in midweek against, uh, now my brain is completely gone. <laughs> Who did we lose to? Preston. Preston, yeah. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> that was uh, shocking from me there, losing my mind. Lockdown <laughs> fever is going. So Preston 3-0. I still think that we had chances in that match to actually kind of get a result, Matt. What do you think? Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I mean... There was certainly, I think, the defence, the defensive lapses that we saw were the reasons for the defeat, you know, based on the fact that we conceded three goals. But if a couple of those chances, especially at the uh, at the beginning of the second half and Lucas Yale's header in the first half, which drew a fantastic save, if, if any of those had gone in, it would have been a different game and we may well have been talking, you know, about a much different result. So there was definitely things to to build on it and things to be positive about. It wasn't by any stretch the worst Reading performance I've ever seen. Neither of them were. Uh, but just that lack of, especially on Tuesday night, it was just the lack of sort of clinicalness let us down. Yeah, it wasn't a 3-0 match for me. It wasn't a game when you think pressing about clusters, they've gone away and they've, you know, they've done a complete job on us. Mm. I just think that it's a little bit worrying when you see Lucas Jow going through on goal now. It's sending panic alarms in my head off because he's been fantastic. You know, let's not forget. Yeah, yeah I mean, he has been scored a great goal against uh, Coventry on Friday night. And then you look at the goal against Blackburn. I think that was last week. I'm still racking my brain. There's been so many games recently. But <laughs> it has, yeah. his, his fourth goal, Reading's fourth goal, it was in a similar vein where he sort of broke free of the defence and, uh, and scored. But then again, there was a chance against Black, uh, sorry, against uh, Coventry on Friday, where a, a loose touch let him down, and, and Morosi managed to come out and and smother it. I agree with your point that it wasn't a three 0 game. I mean, the first goal definitely looked suspect to me. Definitely, I, I thought that at the time. Um, it, it definitely looked like the, the linesman could have raised his flag, and from what I was hearing uh, on the pitch, a fair few of the Reading players weren't happy with his performance in general. And then the third goal, it came because Reading were exposed as, you know, we we're putting men forward to try and get back into the game. Those things can happen. So when you look at it like that, two of the goals, okay, they're, um, yeah, they're frustrating goals to concede, but they're not the worst goals to concede. But then, you know, on the flip side, also, Raphael saved a penalty. So, you know, both teams had chances, but I think 3-0 was a harsh result. Then again, I think if Reading had claimed all three points, you could probably make an argument that it would be a harsh result the other way. 
yeah, I'm talking about the penalties, somebody who kind of had a game that they won't necessarily want to look back too fondly on was Tom McIntyre. Um, he's come in, he's had a lot of hype around him, and I still think he could be a decent player. One game does not define a player at all. He's only 22, it's his birthday today, so we should bear that in mind. He's barely played any matches in the Championship. But um, that second half was, it wasn't good, was it, from Tom? No, it wasn't. Um, but as you said, he's, he's a young lad. And, and whenever I've seen him play in, in games previously, I've been very impressed by him. And I understand the hype around him. You know, he's, he, he's an assured player. He looks good on the ball normally and he's good in the air. But yeah, he didn't have his best game. I think uh, he, he conceded the penalty, the second goal. It was a, a, a bit of a lapse from him. Even the third goal, I thought that he was beaten too easily. Then again, there's a lot of space left down the, so it would be down the left hand side, sorry, the right hand side for uh, for the visitors. You know, he couldn't quite get over and cover, but he'll bounce back. I, I've no doubt in that, and I think he's one of certainly a, a player that is very popular with Reading supporters. So he, I, you're not going to see Reading supporters get on his back after one performance. You wouldn't hope so. It wasn't the best performance, but. This, this, these things happen in football. Sometimes you have off days. Sometimes they're punished. And if you're playing in central defence, it's probably, arguably, one of the one of the positions that if you do have a, a bad game, that it will be noticeable more than most. Perhaps in the with along with the goalkeeper, as we saw on Friday evening previous, when Raphael arguably didn't have his best game. You know, th- these things happen. You're not going to get eleven, you know, eight out of ten performances every week. Sometimes these things can happen and I, I would have no doubt that uh, McIntyre will recover whether whether he gets the nod on Saturday that's certainly going to be an interesting one uh, whether Lewis Gibson I did ask Panovic whether he'd be tempted to bring in Lewis Gibson he didn't give a huge amount away but we may well see Gibson Liam Moore may well be back as well so yeah I, I would hope that he'll get a, another chance soon because you, you wouldn't want that playing on his mind I think when you look at when he's come in from the bench, he's come in on sort of more of a midfield position on a few games this year and has looked decent. You know, he's helped see out victories. So I would have hoped he'll get back back onto the pitch soon and, and show what he can what he can do and show that Tuesday nights Tuesday night? Wednesday night. So I'm getting confused that Wednesday night was was just a blip. No, I totally understand that. Um uh, it's uh, very confusing. This is a quick fire, isn't it? Fire, fire, fire. I mean, I couldn't remember who we were playing on the other, just the start of the podcast. (laughs) It's easily done. Looking at the players that might be coming back, obviously, we've got Obi Ajaria, who looks like the most likely from when you were talking to the manager during the week. We've also got Liam Moore, Mate, and Swift. I think Swift is quite a way off, but um, it looks like Ajaria could be back then. That would definitely help the team if he's in there. Yeah, it would, I think. Uh, I, I, I've, I've been impressed with Samido in a, in a few of his performances so far. I think uh, when you have him and Aluko in the team, who actually I, I put in my ratings that I thought Aluko was our best player against um, on the, in the week. But yeah, Aluko though, sorry to cut across you, but Aluko just needs that bit of luck, doesn't he? Yeah, he puts completely. in that cross for Jao. Fantastic cross that. If that goes yeah. in, he gets an assist. Yeah, he and he could have had a luck with that shot at the end of the. Could have had a. Yeah, could have had a goal as well. Could have had a goal as well. Brilliant bit of control in the area, sort of jinked and flicked it over a man and unleashed a very, very venomous effort. And it just so happened that the keeper was in the right place to stop it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he does need a bit of luck. And he he is sometimes the player that does get 
perhaps an unfair portion of the blame. You know, he's probably by his own admission, his his time at Reading hasn't been as successful as he'd have hoped. But I thought he was good on on Tuesday. But when you have a player like Ovi Ajaru in your ranks, he is probably one of the first names on the team sheet, given what he can do when he's on his day. Um, so if if Ajaru is does return, I, I think that he complements that kind of front three a bit better than. Uh, Semedo does, or from what I've seen so far, I wouldn't want to rule him out. And he's he's you know done some good things in a red and shirt, but I, I would be, I'd be more confident with Ajaria from the start, certainly. Yeah, totally. Um, if we could get Mate back in that team, I think he would make a difference, a huge difference, because just as I've said in previous pods, he's kind of a player that we take for granted, and yeah. some fans still don't take him quite seriously enough. They think yeah. he's going to miscontrol it, he's going to do something bad, but you just got to look at the stats he's got now. Mm. He's backing it up with his performances. Yeah, and I think there's so many areas to his game that are you know, positives for Reading. Mm. He's, when he's on the ball, he, can, he drives at the opponent. To, if he's playing out wide, he can, you know, he's never shy at taking on a man. Okay, sometimes it doesn't come off, but he you know, gets his head up and looks to drive. He's good in the air. We saw against, uh, oh my word, I'm going to embarrass myself now. With his, we'll just go with his acrobatic effort because there's been so many games that I have just completely... Against Rotherham. Rotherham, that was it. Oh, <laughs> awful, awful. Um, but yeah, you saw his, his skill and his, uh, yeah, how quick-minded he is to, to, to pull that off. There is a lot of areas that he is, you know, really, really good at and he can really, you know, he can finish as well. If you give him a chance, more often than not, if he's got a good opportunity, he'll find the back of the net. So there are so many areas to Yaku Mate's game that is conducive to, you know, Reading having more of a threat going forward. Whether he'll be back on Saturday, it might come a little bit too soon. Obviously, we've got the international break coming up afterwards, after Saturday's game. So I would have expected, would expect him to be back for the Bournemouth game, which I believe is the first game back, uh, if he doesn't return. But yeah, I think your point about people taking him for granted. I think that's that's probably a fair point. Um, he is, as I said, he's not one, a one-dimensional player. He offers a lot of different things. Uh, and he does also, I think, what I've noticed perhaps over the last season or so is his work rate has probably improved and his willingness to get back and cover defensively, uh, I think, has really stepped up a gear as well. So, yeah, I, I think he's a very, very important player for Reading and perhaps because he's been at the club during a time where you know the success hasn't really been there uh, and you know it's been a few disappointing campaigns you might look at a few of these players and think you know they've not shown it so far but when he's on his day he can be a real real asset I mean it's, I don't think it's any coincidence that Estevez hasn't looked quite as effective without Mate there on his mm. side kind of like backing him up he's still done fine he hasn't, yeah. he hasn't I can't think of any issues he's had but you know, if you've got him there, it is a big help to him. So it's going to be tough against Stoke City, isn't it? Um, they've lost two of the last three games. They beat Rotherham. They've also lost to Swansea. And they lost to Watford during the week. Heartbreak right at the end there for them. But it's not a team you can ever, ever write off, though. They just kind of, they've got that nasty side to them. When they yeah, do. I think... Of the games last year, I'm looking, thinking back, the, the two Stoke games were probably two of my least favourite games, especially yeah. the away game, which, <laughs> oh my word, that was possibly the dullest game of football I've ever seen. I've still still come up in cold sweats thinking about that one. But um, yeah, no, they can get a result. They've got a lot of 
very, very talented players in their ranks and it definitely won't be easy. But then again, we've seen Reading already this season grind out results against teams, you know, look at teams like Watford, especially. I think they're the one that I always think of when it's kind of backs against the wall, grinding result out against a team that's filled with Premier League quality. We've proved that we can do it. There will be, I think, it's an important game for Reading's season, actually, I think, because if you go into this international break with three consecutive defeats, let's say, that's a long period to, to mull it over, for the players to mull it over in their minds, for not, not maybe not doubts to creep in, because, of course, Reading are doing much, much better than we thought they would be at this point. And I, by no means would I want to criticise uh, the start that we've made all in all. The last two games, OK, not got the results. But if you get that third consecutive defeat, then you've got to go to Bournemouth, who are a decent, decent team. That might look more of a more of a challenge than we're picking up a positive result. So I think for sort of the next stage of the season, tomorrow's game could actually prove to be really, really important. What's your prediction then, Matt? I think if you'd asked me a week ago, I'd be confident of a victory. Um, I think I'm going to go with a draw. I'm going to go one all draw. Yeah. Very boring, I know, but. No, no, it's totally the right thing, I think. I mean, hopefully we're both wrong and we win, mm. but I'm going to say uh, a two-all draw. So thanks a lot for joining us, Matt, and uh, we'll have a chat in a couple of weeks' time. Cheers. Look forward to it. So now it's time to have a chat with a Stoke City fan, and I've been joined by Ben Rowley from the YYY Files. Now, first of all, what is that reference to there, Ben? <laughs> hey, Paul. Okay, so YYY is in reference to Tom Jones's Delilah, which of course is Stoke City's anthem. Uh, yeah, YYY Delilah, and just thought it, 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 yeah, it had a good place, so I, I popped it in. Words. I think it's beautiful. I think it, it was just like I looked at it first of all, and I thought, "Oh no, hang on, I get it." <laughs> it's that niche reference I like. Is I, I like the fact that nobody else really knows, or they have to take a second to think. I quite like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. So let's get on to uh, kind of like Stoke City. Kind of, you're sat in eleventh place with fifteen points, so that's a pretty decent start straight away. You've obviously had Michael O'Neill there for quite a while now. How is it kind of like the overall feeling about Stoke City at the moment? Um, towards Stoke City, I, it's, it's definitely a rebuild in process. You could say that it's been that for the last four years, to be honest with you, ever since Mark Hughes turned sour. Um, but it's just been rebuild job after rebuild job. Paul Lambert never did it. Gary Rowett never did it. Uh, Nathan Jones never did it and then Michael O'Neill I to be honest expected him to come in and fall flat on his face the same as the others have done not because I don't think he's a good manager just because like Nathan Jones he just hadn't had the experience required to be able to turn such a drastically sinking ship around yeah he has done and all praise to our turnaround over the last 12 months now has to go to him um, I, the club have certainly helped of course they have and we've got good resources good players but O'Neill's brought the best out of them. And now it's his opportunity to be able to bring in the players he wants, sort of mould the players he has, particularly the young lads, um, introducing them into the team and make them the players that he wants, a system that he wants. We've been going with a three-back in most games. We have reverted to a back four recently. Uh, but it's it's very much Michael O'Neill, Stoke City these days. And I, I don't think anybody's complaining. 
No, no, totally. I look at his uh, win ratio, it's 45%. I, yeah. I don't think that's bad at all, is it? It's really? insane, greatly, considering yeah. that I think Nathan Jones's was uh, closer to 10. <laughs> so, I didn't want yeah, to bring him up pleased. too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, Nathan Jones is kind of like, he's one of those managers that just suits one club, I feel. With mm. Luton Town, he's okay there, isn't he? But uh, oh, I'll be honest, with him, I, I fully expect him to go to a club that's stable. I'm not saying that Stoke's not a stable club financially and such, but Stoke runs such a downturn with such big personalities that it was too big for him. However, I I could have seen him going to someone like a Leeds before Bielsa got there and maybe not doing exactly what Bielsa has done, but being successful with them. I think he will go on to do something good with a different club. It's just Stoke was just, it was such a massive job for anybody. I'm surprised O'Neill, as I say, has turned it around. So, yeah, I, I wish him well because he's a nice bloke, but, God, he just didn't have the skills required to turn us around. No, so Michael Neil has come in, done a really good job by the sounds of it. What are the key things that he's actually changed since he's come in since last November? Um, I think possibly more than anything, and this is really cliche but it's true taking us back to basics and part of that yes is the putting players in the right position um, making sure we're defensively resolute but it's not that I think it's it's more the fact that he has said you are good footballers you don't need a tremendously rigorous system yes you've got to be resolute defensively yes you've got to be switched on in games yes you need the confidence to be able to go on and take opportunities but he's not got one set game plan for any game, I feel. He can go in very defensively for one game. He can go very offensively the next. Um, and he's he's not enforcing a play style on these players specifically because that's how he thinks they should play. He's, he's taking these players and going, this is what I think you're good at. This is what I think you're not so good at. This is our opposition and doing the same with them and going, right, this is how we win a football game. And it is working. He's got confidence back in the players where I think the players were upset by relegation, upset by not retaining our place in the league there or getting promoted the first time round. Took a big confidence hit to certain players, especially those who were in the Premier League or players like Tom Ince, for example. He's never recovered, to be honest. For someone who was so good in the championship, he is now not even on our bench some games. It, it, he's never recovered. But certain players like Sam Klukas looked awful under Gary Rowett and Michael O'Neill's turned him into a goal-scoring machine to some extent. It, yeah, he's he's just said, you're good players, go out and win a football game. Here's the guidance that I think that you need to be able to do that. And that's basic enough for me. It's a really simplistic way of looking at it, but we've seen the same in Reading initially. Uh, we won't talk about the last two games too much, but it's kind of like building the confidence and giving them a basic shape really helps them, doesn't it? We really underestimate as fans how much that brings the best out of players. Yeah, I mean, if you've seen the, uh, the Spurs documentary recently, like people have said that that's not their favourite documentary of the Man City and Leeds ones. I, I think it's brilliant because you've seen... Um, the off the pitch stuff, such as Deli Alley, right? You've, you've seen him being spoken to, and it was uh, Mourinho sitting him down and saying, Look, you know, I don't think you're training very well. Go off the pitch and think about what you're doing. And then he come back and he was the superstar again. And to, sometimes we as fans don't see things like that, but they are genuine conversations that we have at work sometimes with our 
superiors and they work and if you've got a bad relationship with your manager that we don't see off the scenes half the time or if the whole dressing room is writing against him again we don't see that they can be the best manager in the world Mourinho being a, a good example at Man United and they all rebelled so I think that personal relationship that we don't see no matter what your accolades are no matter your uh, intense style of working like a Nathan Jones if, if they don't get on with the manager yeah it's the softer stuff definitely that works yeah totally and Michael O'Neill's shown it now at Stoke and he's shown it in Northern Ireland as well where he definitely got the best out of his players there and a very limited uh, kind of skill set being kind to them you know being mm. generous about them but kind of like looking at the transfers that you got in in the summer there's a few players that stand out straight away there's Stephen Fletcher mm. anyone who's played in the championship will know him James Chester and John Obi McCall I kind of how much influence have those three players had since they've all been at the club? I mean, the fact that we've signed, you know, free transfers, essentially, Mikel and Fletcher particularly, it, it's just such good business. Stoke as a club, we, we spent a lot in that first January, uh, in the summer transfer window that we came down. I think we spent over 60 million on crap essentially. Um, the fact that we've been able to pull these free transfers out, out the bag and still uh, convince these sorts of players to come to Stoke. I mean, Stephen Fletcher looks like he's going to score every time he plays. He genuinely does. He either scores or he has a glaring miss. Um, not, And that's not because like he should have scored necessarily and we all hate him for it. It's just because he puts himself in the right place. And I think that's very underrated to Stoke strikers that we've had in the past. Lee Gregory uh, Benicophobia, who've just not been at the right place at the right time. Uh, Mikel. Uh, Stoke fans seem up and down about him, but then he's a defensive midfielder. I think any defensive midfielder gets their fair bit of stick and is underrated to some extent. Um, I think he's been good. I'm glad we've got him. I think compared to some of the other members in the squad, he's the only one that fits the bill for me that is quality enough to make the team. Um, and then even people like Fox, we've signed at left back. Apart from Eric Peters, in the last 15 years, we've not signed one. And to actually have a left-back is fantastic. Uh, Jacob Brown as well, nice little addition from Barnsley for a couple of million. Um, Angus Gunn as well. A good swap for Jack Butland, who I wish him well at Palace, but he was done at Stoke City. He, was, he just wasn't performing for us anymore. Um, yeah, I'm... I'm Excited by the signings, considering the constraints we had over financial fair play through our misendeavours early on in the championship. Yeah, so if I look at your last three games as well, you've obviously had two losses and one win. You lost to Swansea and Watford. You beat Rotherham. Kind of, how's your form in general? Is it pretty consistent or is it a bit erratic at the moment? If we're going in terms of how well I think we are playing, I think that is generally quite inconsistent even within games um first half yesterday uh against who did we play yesterday why am i blanking <laughs> watford thank you um <laughs> yeah played Watford yesterday first half pretty good second half they come on to us um and that happens a lot with us we fluctuate um i think o'neill's brought in some good subs to be fair so watch out for that um but hey <laughs> we our results have been good, considering that we've not won games convincingly from a performance point of view. Uh, we're still in the cup, in the quarterfinals of the League Cup. That's fantastic. Um, and in fact, if we hadn't have completely thrown away the game yesterday, we'd have been third 
in the table. And that would have gone beyond any Stoke fan's dream at this time of the season. Um, I know that you guys are doing very well yourselves, as I'm sure we'll come on to. But uh, yeah, it, we've, we've looked good. And I had a stretch goal at the start of the season for playoffs. And the way we're going, particularly this season, post-lockdown and over the last 12 months, all the forms suggest that we may well hit that. Yeah, well, this is a possibility. This season seems very erratic with us mm. being top of the league. That is a prime example. <laughs> <laughs> no one would have expected that. Not even the most kind of like crazy Reading fan would have said we'd be first going into the, possibly first going into this international break. But what are the players that you think will be the key ones on Saturday for you in a positive sense? And where are you a little bit worried about what, Watford, sorry, Stoke City? Hmm. Oh, see... If he wasn't injured, I'd have said Adam Davis in goal all day long. It's a shame, real shame that he got injured. We've let in more goals with him than without him, I believe, and he's played more games. Um, it is a big shame. Angus Gunn's a decent goalkeeper, don't get me wrong, but Adam Davis was playing out of his skin since he replaced Jack Bolton last season. And it, it's really, really sad to see him on the bench. Um, I want to watch Harry Souter probably at centre-back. Young, 21-year-old, I believe. Uh, he's six foot seven, so you're not going to miss him. Uh, he's big lad that will win headers. But for a young lad, he's got pace and a good mindset, um, not just in terms of intelligence, but in terms of aggression as well. I, th- I think he's going to be one of the players of the season. And I think he's going to get a big money move this summer coming. I'd be surprised if he doesn't because he's playing exceptionally well. I mean... Players like Tyrese Campbell as well. Fantastic for a young lad. Uh, I, I think he's got the most assists in the championship so far. Like That's great for a striker who's also got three goals. Um, Stephen Fletcher, we talked about. Um, it's a shame Sam Klukas isn't there. Joe Allen's still not coming back either. We've got a number of injuries. Um, but yeah, Harry Suter is a name that people might not know yet, but they definitely will do come the end of the season. Having a tricky afternoon because he's our major threat up front. If someone with all those attributes which you've just mentioned, that could be quite a face-off between those two. Kind of, how surprised are you by the start that we've had there? We just talked about it briefly, but <laughs> come on, I mean, <laughs> it's a complete shock, isn't it? Yeah, I bet you say that to every fan that comes on the podcast. Like, come on, <laughs> give us our moment, please, please, please. Yeah, and exactly. I don't blame you. To be fair, <laughs> well, that's it. I mean, if we were in the same position then yeah, we'd be going on about it as well. Look, you guys have done remarkably well, whether you're there at the end of the season or not. I think we said before recording, the fact that you've got such a massive head start, essentially, on the other teams through however you've played, as long as you keep a consistent form, you'll be up in a similar position, I would imagine. Um, Of course I'm surprised. I never thought you would have gone down. I thought you just would have been... Reading sort of an in-joke between a couple of friends is, is a bit of a, not dull team, but you just oh, exist no, no, in the championship. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just like, I, I don't expect Reading to go up or down. I just expect them to be there next season. And like, for whatever disrespect you take from that, I don't know. But yeah, it, I, I'm surprised. Everyone's surprised, not just by the fact that you are top of the league, but just by the, the, the ratio of chances that you were taking maybe before the last couple of games, but was it like over 24% or something? It was ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. And then the next team down was like half of that. Um, 
whether your guys are able to keep that up, who knows. But I, I, I don't think anybody will be able to keep that up, in fairness. Um, but then confidence does a lot. We've seen that in the negative aspect for Stoke in the last couple of seasons with great players just performing terribly. Whether you guys get a similarly reverse effect with having such high confidence, even though you may have lost a couple of games. Um, it's amazing what confidence does. Look at Leicester when they won the league. They essentially won their title on confidence. And you never know, Reading might be able to sneak similar. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I, <hope so. laughs> I live in hope. Yeah, no, it's interesting finding out what other fans think of us because we kind of know already. We're that kind of club that kind of sits there and they go, oh, Reading away. Oh, that's one of the ones they don't miss in that one. Yeah, yeah, honest. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know we're similar. Although everybody seems to hate us. So that's okay. I don't mind that. Okay. Yeah, no, I don't think Ren fans hate Stoke. I've got to say, mm. no, that's one thing we definitely don't have. We've not played each other that much, in fairness. I was looking no. at sort of recent form books and mm. we sort of like, I know that you've dipped in and out the Premier League. We were in the Premier League for quite a while and then we sort yeah. of swapped. And yeah, so maybe maybe we've just not got quite the time to have the rivalry. Maybe that'll start at the weekend when we knock someone out or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Bit of excitement. Yeah, I'm yeah, trying yeah. to think of like major ex-players that have played for both clubs and there's only one person that really comes out and that's Dave Kitson. And even then he mm. was not exactly what I'd call a huge success. No, he's not particularly popular here either, if I'm honest with you. <laughs> no, no, he's a kind of... A... Was Adam Federici a uh, running player? Yes, yes. Yeah, that's another yeah, one okay. So one, we yeah. had Federici yes. for a couple of seasons, yeah. albeit a bench player, but... Yeah, again, not exactly like setting the world alight here. So, if you could pick one player currently at Reading or previously at Reading, if there's one that you could have in the Stoke City team now, who would you go for? Oh, my goodness. I know that in the summer we were after Josh Lawrence. Not that I know a lot about him, if I'm honest, but, and I, 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 I'll be blunt, I don't know a lot about the Reading team. That sounds awful. Um, but, yeah, he he sounds like a good young midfielder and something that we we have in abundance in a way, but I think players like Jordan Thompson, Tash and Oakley Boo that Stoke haven't quite shown everything that they've got yet. They've not hit the ground running. And the way that we play, we could do with as, as many midfielders as we can get. So, again, I'm not sure how he's doing for you guys, whether he's in your team or not. Um, but, yeah, he's, he's one that I know that we were interested in. Yeah, he's a regular for us. He's been playing all the games, and he's done mm. really well since he's come in. He's got high energy. He's decent passing. He's not going to create much for you. No. He scored one goal. But I think he's a championship player. I'm mm. not sure he's going to move on to the Premier League or anything at that point. But I think at the moment he's adapted to the championship fine. So the last question then, uh, Ben, score prediction. <laughs> Do I go typical boring and say nil-nil? Nah, not with us <laughs> lot, surely. It uh, won't be nil-nil, surely. No, no, no. <laughs> not, surely not with you guys. Um, I'm going to go 2-2. I think everyone's going to be a bit excited before the international break, saying, look, we've been playing so many games over so many days and we've had to preserve ourselves. This is our chance to finally get us some some goals and just let everything out of your hair before the international break. I think it'd be a good game. That's what I'm hoping for. Stoke, albeit losing the last game, um, are relatively in form and are relatively in confidence. Uh, Plays like Tyrese Campbell, especially bags and bags of confidence. I expect him to get at least one. Um, 
and then you seem to kick up the the weirdest results these days as well so yeah two two let's go for that okay yeah no i mean if we got any of our injured players back i'd be more confident but at the moment i would take it two two to be yeah, honest yeah same yeah we're missing liam more massively at the back jari and mate and swift so yeah i'll go two 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 as well as long as we score the late equalizer not you <laughs> i don't want it the oh, they're player. always the worst aren't they yeah <laughs> oh cool so thanks a lot for joining us, uh, Ben, and uh, hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll be back after the match on Saturday. Cheers.